the theme of this conference is the reason Christ is alive and he's healing today. Now, on Thursday, we started off by making sure that we do understand how to receive and keep things from God. Because the problem is never God, the problem is us. And we realize that because so many people do not know how to receive from God, so many people have never received from God. Some have received a few, some have received and lost it. And so there's so, so, so much skepticism among believers. There's so, the unbelief in the body of Christ is this thick. You wade into believers, it's, you just feel it. You just know that these people don't believe this. It's just this thick. Because of long period of failures and not seeing God at work at all. And so it's like, is this really true? It's unfortunate. It shouldn't be so. But it is true. Absolutely true. You know, people have more faith in the, if you tell them about what the devil is, nobody gets excited. The real power is with God. The real power is with God. We, we should understand that the scripture teaches us how to do things. God is real. God is, Jesus is. And God answers prayer. God does exactly what he says he, he, he's doing. So we must understand there's a way to receive something from God. You can't, can't forget that. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. This is God talking to me and you. Let me repeat. Every time you open the scripture reading, believe you me, that's Jesus talking to you directly. You don't, don't bother about seeing him. That's him talking to you out of that word. When you get that in your mind, you take the Bible more seriously and start believing that. So this is what the Lord is saying to us this evening. Therefore, I say unto you, he said, I'm talking to you people. I mean, it couldn't be more, it could be more real like he's standing here and talking. He said, I'm talking to you. What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you have received that thing. That's the first thing. And then you will have it. That's what Jesus said. Believe you have received that thing. Not going to receive that thing. Not waiting for whatever. You received that thing. He said, I didn't see. That's what he's teaching us. He said, don't be like Thomas. Don't put receiving first. Put believing first. What did I say you put first? Say it louder, come on. Believing. We're used to putting receiving first. So we're checking. And sometimes we're not even checking. But in our mind, we just feel, you know, whether you can't get it that way. Because you put the what you should do. You're putting the cat before the horse. And then you act like you have it. Because actions also speak. Your actions cannot be contradicting what God said and you expect to see it. Because two cannot work together except there is what? Agreement. Actions is the real deal, really, because what's achieved? So let's look at this example. Just going back to that, because this is very, very primary, very important in our dealing with God. Acts chapter 12, 14, verse 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. We read this yesterday. He had been, been that way for, from birth, so he had never walked. I don't know if anybody has any situation this bad. He's now a man. He has never walked. He was sitting and listening. That's the key thing. When the Holy Spirit said, this man is listening, the man is listening. Listening intently, which many don't do. Many don't do that because you get... You, you know, you, you teach some things, you teach your heart out over weeks, and when you hear people talk, you wonder, did you teach anything at all? They didn't listen. They didn't hear you. They remained ignorant of the very fact that you spent hours and days teaching the something over. They didn't hear it. 
is to be regretted. Because then we're cheating ourselves out of what will help us in life, which is the word of God. And we can't blame God if we remain ignorant. How many times has God said to somebody, you people are not listening to your pastor. How many times will God say it? So he was listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. There's no point praying about the spirit of saying and buying. If you want to listen, you should listen. This is a discipline issue. It's not a spirit of selling and buying anything. We're trying to put it on something. It's not anything. You are the one responsible for what you do. You should take responsibility for something as simple as sitting down and disciplining yourself. To, if you are sharing a million dollars, would you listen? If I bring you a million dollars now and you are telling how to share it, believe you me, your mind will be here. You won't be casting out spirit of uh, buying and selling about, about that time. Because that interests you. Not listening means you don't even believe that. Can you I think uh, our minister Adana was preaching that very powerful teaching. Somebody said to her, he was telling somebody how she trusts Jesus in Corona and the word of God. And a so-called Christian said to her, forget about that thing. That's how he described the word of God. Forget that thing. You believe that person is a Christian that calls the word of God that thing? It's, it's so sad, brother. It's really very sad. So this one was sitting and listening and looking at him direct. Then Paul realized he had faith to be healed because faith had come from what Paul was telling him. And what Paul was telling him, obviously, was telling him that Jesus has taken your sickness. Because how can somebody who is lame for, from birth and become a man believe he's okay? Except somebody told him, you're okay now. And on what basis? Paul was preaching the gospel. The gospel is about what Jesus did, not about what men do. And Paul realized he had faith to be here. Now, how can you realize somebody has faith? Did you enter his heart? Obviously, his faith lit up. When somebody who hasn't walked began to realize I'm well, the first thing you see it in his face. If you receive something that good, your face will lit up. The joy you have, you, man, I have this thing. So Paul looked at that man and said, wow, this man is full. His face is lighting up. There's joy. His body language is saying, I'm okay. I got it. I can walk now. And Paul said to him then, put your faith in action. If he sat there without getting up, he would never walk. He wouldn't walk. Same thing with Peter. Peter said to that man, he said, Jesus Christ has healed you. He said, rise up in the name of Jesus. But Peter held him, pulled him up. Because if he didn't pull him up, he wouldn't walk. It's not going to walk. Because faith must have action. Must have corresponding action. Talking, 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 talking doesn't do anything. So and we must learn to, to, you know, to hold what we have. We just have to know that there's a spirit called the devil that is going around looking to, to steal from you. You must have to believe this. Is. Revelation 2.25 said, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. When we receive and we don't know we have to hold fast, we think because you receive, you think it's permanent. Nothing will happen again. It's not true. Actually, when you have victory, watch out. The devil is coming for counterattack because that's when you relax most. That is when you relax most. He knows you are not alert. You are not expecting anything. He hits with the same symptoms. He hits with the same things. And then you say, oh, I thought God healed me. Instantly you lose it. Why? Because you confessed that God lied to you. He didn't heal you. So how can you remain healed? Is it not your mouth? Is it not what you say you have? The devil made you say those things. If you stood there and said they were a liar, having done all, to what? Stand. God, this word is true. I believe I have it and I still have it. He, 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 will, disappear. he will run like a terrorist person. It's not just healing. It's not just healing. So James 1, 6 told us not to be wavering. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You can't be wavering. can't be wavering. 
today you wear like you know like thermometer, thermostat, thermometer. Thermometer goes up when it's uh, hot and comes down when it's hot. You can't have that kind of faith. You know, you're in church, you hear someone, you get excited, get really excited. You go home and there's no someone, nobody around, everything goes. Blah, 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 blah. You can't work. It's not going to work. Telling us the truth. And people have practiced this thing, recorded in the Bible, to challenge me that if people did this, what can I tell God? And many of them were illiterate. Abraham, Romans 4 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now, you see, he didn't consider his body. Brethren, what can be more contradicting than a hundred-year-old flesh to have a child? Can somebody tell me this? Abraham will look at me and say, what are you talking about? I did it. I did it. I trusted God. I believed this word. So why can't you do it? Why Are you going to blame God? I did it, and I don't have two heads. Abraham wasn't even born again. Jesus said, the least in the kingdom is greater than all these old prophets. All of them. Because we have what did. The Bible says what, what we have, they were wishing to have it. But it wasn't for their time. And it did not, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Two, two, two heavy things facing a man that are impossible naturally. His body dead. His wife's body dead. If it's one, you say, okay. But this is two. But God said, I've given you a bit. Abraham said, because it's God. That is true. That's all. That's all God wants from us. Agree with me. If you can believe, all things become what? God will do anything that is his will if you can only believe, if you can disregard everything. If you can, if you would die to say, Lord, if I die, I die. I disregard everything. Believe you me, God will rise to the question, I will see. Because God will never tell a lie. It's impossible for God to deceive us. It's not, it's not possible. Right. Romans 4, 20. He staggered not at the promise of God. Never. He didn't stagger. He didn't say tomorrow, I didn't see Isaac. Next tomorrow, next month, I didn't see Isaac. God, well, you, you promised me. Well, he, said. he never staggered. Staggering is to swish away and to be unstable. No, he was rock, steady, solid. God said it. God says God. See, that's, that's the greatest worship. Faith. Singing with your mouth is wonderful, but it may be entertainment to you. God may not be interested in that because you really don't believe he's God. Now, there are roadblocks we dealt with that the devil throws in our ways to stop Christians from, 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 from uh, receiving what God has for them. And the scripture tells us that we should cast down imaginations. That is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We should cast down imaginations. It gives you all manner of pictures in your mind. Pictures that you are dying, you are going to die, this is sick. And you must learn to discern the voice of the devil and the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's important that you do that. If you don't, I'm sorry, you'll be a victim all the time because the devil talks to you. Your flesh, your carnal mind talks to you. You must know which one is of God, which is not of God. So when they begin to paint pictures of you are going to die, you know that's not the Holy Spirit. You're good ground to say, devil, shut up. I will live and not. But that's what God told me. That's what God would hide it from him. So we cast out all these imaginations in the every heart that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, these wrong doctrines, all these wrong doctrines. Then we bring them into captivity, every thought to obedience of the word of God to Christ. All of it. That's what you owe yourself. That's what I owe myself. I was telling somebody, I said, spiritual war, warfare, it's not what people do. I said, to think that you, you, are, you are fighting the devil is an insult to you. Because you don't know where you are. You don't even know who you are. I, I was telling somebody, I said, can America fight Haiti? I'm, simple, I'm asking a simple question. 
Can you hear today? They say, American America is fighting Haiti. There's a war between America and... There's, there's no... Police, police force will go and crush them in 30 seconds. You can't talk of war between... Is it not... Who was I telling them? You can't talk of war between a power like America, war power, and the Dominican Republic. No. It's invasion and occupation. You talk of war between America and Russia. You talk of powers. So can you talk of war between the kingdom of God and the devil who is under your feet? It's an insult. Even comparing America and Haiti is like giving, the, the, the defeated thing is getting some small honor that this desire. It's not up to Haiti. No, I'm not comparing the devil and Haiti, sorry. I think the wrong word. But what I'm trying to say is to draw analysis. It's under your feet. So why are you fighting something under your feet? It's either it's not under your feet or you don't know where he is. And he comes up and says, no, I'm equal with you. No, it's not equal with you, it's under your feet. All you need to do is to be aware of his deceit. Because he's coming to tell you a lie and make you think it's no more under your feet. It's equal to you. I'm just saying this because of some of these wrong approaches. Because we, have, we don't even believe the gospel. They were seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That's where you are. That's where you are. That's where you are. And the Bible says God has put everything under our feet through Christ for the church. Under our feet. So why am I fighting something? Because the scripture says you fight not flesh and blood. They find out what they fight is the fight of faith. They want to deceive you. It's a deceiver. That's what the scripture calls him. Say, look at this one that deceived the whole world. It's a deceiver. He's a liar. You watch out for his deceits and lies. He deceives, confuses you. You are not who God made you to be. Confuses you. You are not him. Confuses you. This. And once you believe him, believe his lies, you, are, you, are, you don't agree with God, he's done. He will sit by the side and say, God, this man doesn't agree with you. Your word says two cannot work together except what? He's done. He just says that you finish yourself. And we're doing 40 days fasting when you have not agreed with God. I mean, how does this sense work? You have disagreement with God and you are fasting for God. What, how does it work? Is it not prayer of faith that brings healing? So he comes and throws these things at us. We dealt with it some yesterday. We're going to deal with some today. Because once you get those things out of the way, you are, you are ready to fly. I'm telling you. Once you get them out of the way, you are ready to go. So he, he says to us, you know, like we said yesterday, say it's not the will of God to heal. Say it's not the will of God. And many people have believed that. Say God is teaching you something, making you humble. Do you know I used to believe that? I used to believe that. He's making you humble. I used to accept. But the Lord told me one time, he said, all the things you suffered was the devil deceived you to accept them and it's not from me. I even showed you, you were seeing the devil attacking you, still didn't understand. Make you say it's not the will of God. I cannot be the will of God. Hebrew 10, 7. Then said, I lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will. Jesus said, I came to do thy will. So what is his will? Matthew 8, 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. How can it not be his will? He said, Jesus said, this is what I came to do. I came to do that will. I came to take away sickness from you, take away your diseases. So how can it not be the will of God for you to be well even this moment? Second Corinthians 1.20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of them. Resounding yes. And through Christ our amen. God is waiting for our amen which ascends to God for his glory. He's waiting for you to say, Amen. It's not to say, <laughs> is it the will of God? Fulfilled in Christ. God says, I'm waiting for you. Can you say, Amen? Let it come up. 
Let me know you are agreeing with me. If you believe it's yours, and this leads us to another roadblock. He said, will God do it? We have people say, will God do it for me? I'm praying, but I don't know whether God will do it. I've had people say that. Well, the problem is this, and I want you to listen to me. Hey, God will not do it because God has already, God will not do it. God, God has already done it. Oh, this God, 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 God. So will God heal me? God already healed you, provided it. Is it not what we just read? That all the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ, and God is waiting for our what? Amen to ascend to heaven. So what am I going to wait? Oh, God, will God heal me this morning? No, 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 it's already done. It's already done. God, he said, I'm waiting for your amen, not whether I will. Will God heal me? No, it's already done. Can I tell you something? You have already been healed. I only told people said them. I'm giving you good news. That's what called the gospel. That's what Paul told that man. And the man said, yeah, it's true, and got up and walked away. You know you have already been healed. Okay, only one person said them. You were three before, now it's one. I say you have already been healed. First Peter 2.24. He personally carried our sins. Listen to the tense. Whether it's past tense or present tense, or you, you, either you are convinced that the Bible is, is, is a lie or it's, just, it's not just true, or you are convinced it's true. One has to be what you believe. He personally carried our sins in his own body on the cross. Do we believe that? Do we? Okay. He personally carried our sins in his own body on the cross that we can be, so, so that we can be dead to sin now. And live for what is right. So what he's saying is, Jesus carried our sins on his own body. And because of that now, we have been created new man and given the new creation, a new life. So we cannot live free of sin. If he didn't carry our sin, God can't create us new man. Because there will still be an enmity between us and God. But Jesus came and carried our sin. And because he bought it for us, we are free. That's called redemption. He paid for it, so we are free. So God sees us as clean now because he washed us of our sins, so we're clean. So God came and created us new man. He says, so we can now live unto righteousness because he personally carried, took away my sins and your sins. If he didn't do that, you can't be created new. And so the second one came, he said, let me read it again. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so, so that we can be dead to sin. How can you be dead to sin? Because he gave you a new nature that is dead to sin. His nature his life, that's how you are dead to sin. It's not by laws of Moses. So, so you are dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, what happened? I want to hear you, please. By his wounds, what happened? Don't you understand that those two things happened at the same time? And when he carried your sin, and he, all those pain and wound on him also was sickness he took for you. The same way he carried your sin was the same way he became sick for you. That's what the Holy Spirit says that Jesus personally did this. So how can you tell me whether he will do it? He's not going to do it. It's already done. Jesus took it away. Can I hear amen? What did I say? I want you to say it loudly. People are listening from everywhere. What did I say? Jesus took, Jesus took it away. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And then while we're at it, let me see. Um, uh-oh. Sorry. My new, my new iPad. It's so sensitive. All right, so the third one that I, I want to look at is this one. Look at John 1.15. Because this third one is, the devil says, you know, you're not qualified. You're not good enough. You know, some people think, the day they think they have not committed sin, they think God accepts them better that day. But they think that's the day God will answer their prayer. That's the day he will answer your prayer. 
But you are coming based on your own righteousness, and God will look at you. He's not going to look at you. Some people think this is a matter of, you know, today I'm good, so God will, God will answer me today. Hey, he would. Let me tell you the truth. He will not. That is Jesus. Can't come to God except through Christ. He will not. Because what you are bringing, he will not. Come in the name of his son. Nothing your own. So the devil says, you know, you are not qualified to be healed. You're not perfect. You're not holy enough. You don't merit it. Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Giving thanks to the Father who has what? Qualified us. God has qualified us in Christ. Remember, healing is already provided. So you're qualified. He didn't wait for you to come and say, oh, now I'm qualified for it. No, it's an act of mercy. It's an act of grace. He has qualified us to be partakers of these things in Christ. Jesus paid the price. He took your sins. He took your sins. He took your sins. He took your sins. He took your sins and made you righteous. John 1.15. John, John testified about him. And John 1.15, right? John testified about him and cried that this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has priority over me, for he was before me. He takes rank above me, for he existed before I did. He has advanced before me because he is my chief. 16, for out of his fullness, out of his abundance, we have all received. Everything we receive is out of what Christ has and gave us. Out of his abundance, out of his fullness, we have all received, all had a share. And we were all supplied with one grace after another. Grace is what you don't merit. You are qualified, brethren, completely qualified. Grace is grace. Grace is grace. One grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. How did it come? Verse 17. For while the law was given through Moses, they didn't come through Moses and law. That's what he's saying here. While the law was given through Moses, the grace we are talking about, the unearned, undeserved favor and spiritual blessings and truth came through Jesus. So these things came grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing. He said, Moses brought the law, didn't bring us any of these things. But Jesus brought grace and that's what made it possible. Grace is what you don't deserve. You don't merit, I don't merit it either. So when the devil says you are not qualified, you should laugh at him. You don't have to. Actually, you are not, and I'm not. But God gave it to me anyway, because I believe in Jesus Christ. When the devil says you are not qualified, I don't, what am I arguing about? Yeah, I'm not qualified. Yeah, I had a we go sword. You know, the devil said you can't cast me out. He said, sure, I can't, but Jesus will. <laughs> and the devil took off immediately. He said, no, I can't. Oh, I'm not fighting with it. The name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, out you go. And the devil said, yeah, that's true. Romans 4, 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. Are you qualified? Are you qualified? Somebody said no. Some people say yes. Are you qualified? No. Who qualified you? So are you now qualified? Yes. So when are you going to be disqualified? When you say you are no, Jesus didn't qualify you. As soon as you say Jesus didn't disqualify you, you, you repudiate what Jesus did for you. And the devil will have fun, man, mocking you. I saw the devil laugh at me. Oh. I didn't know anything. God opened my eyes, spiritual eyes. I was like, I'm seeing you people sitting. He was there laughing at me for my ignorance. And it was a spirit of poverty because he was wearing rag. And I knew in my spirit that was the spirit of poverty. So I got so angry that I carried here. I didn't realize. I carried here. 
Immediately I threw the chair, the thing was near me here, laughing in my face. <laughs> Look at I didn't know. He was laughing in my face. And there was no food in my house. My son suffered kwashoka. And here was that spirit laughing at a Christian who should be living in abundance, but because of ignorance, I thought it was God making me humble. These roadblocks are true. He has used it devastatingly. You feel unqualified. If, that's why many people don't believe their prayer is answered. Because after praying, <laughs> they don't think God will answer it. They don't think. They don't believe that. So they look for a pastor or somebody they think God will answer, who has maybe a different covenant that they don't have. <laughs> and God is watching this and saying, look at my child. Look at my child I died for and I gave my sex to me. Why is he doing this? All the ignorance. The devil has used this devastatingly. I'm telling you, seriously. And you can't buy anything God gives free. You can't buy it by whatever you do. Anything you do that you think, if I do this, then God will do this, disqualifies you. And people are doing all of that. I just had a story about one, somebody, Miss Tysa. One day, if God allows me, I will play her testimony for you to hear. I God sent somebody, I said, go and pray. Go and pray for her to be healed. Then the woman got there. All the way from Maryland, went to the state where she was and found her. And instead of doing what God said, she went into three, three days dry fasting. And as he was doing that, the woman died. And God didn't say do all those things. God said, go, go, go and just raise this woman. He went started three days fast, dry. And the third day, the woman died. Jesus had to walk into that place himself, put his finger on the woman's belly, and the woman came back to life. She walked out of the, out of the place. So she started fainting. Because they've tagged her dead. When you tag somebody dead and she walks out, Dresses herself and walks out. The nurses started fainting. The head nurse said, you are not supposed to be walking. You are, you are, you are, dead. You are dead. He was walking towards her. The woman was going backwards. So you are, you are attacked you dead. What are you doing here? And the person Jesus sent, instead of doing what he was told, went doing walks and fasting and drying blood. And they said the power was so strong. Because Jesus walked in there, put his finger on his stomach, on her stomach. The power spread. The woman got up, dressed up. And when the Lord left, People touch that, when they touch that bed, your body shakes like electricity. People are getting healed, touching that bed. But she didn't do what the Lord said. The Lord went to do it himself. I will have failed him. He, he wants to be glorified. He wants the world to see his glory in our lives. Because that's the most powerful evangelism. Say, you are my witnesses. They doubt me. They show them I'm real. So you can't buy it. Acts 8.20. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee. Because thou hast taught that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You can remove money and put any other thing that you think you used to purchase it. And how we try to purchase it. Why? Because why in the canal world, in the canal world, you must buy, everything is, must be bought. You pay for everything. If you are so good to your wife, he says, what, what do you want? So you are so good to me. What do you want? Because it is, this, this sudden goodness, there must be something... something because that's the natural world in which we live. In the world, that's their way. Scratch my back, I... Now we're in the kingdom where it's free, we're finding it difficult. If you start being nice to somebody, say, there was something this man is looking for. You may not be looking for anything. I'm not used to it. You've got to get used to it. God is not a man. You can't buy it from him. He said, if, it's, Peter said, your money perish with you. It's such a strong language. And then he says something in verse 21. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. You don't know God. God is not selling anything. Signing salt to him. What a businessman. 
and it brings a cost. That's why Peter said, your money perish with you. Now look at Galatians 3.10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his cost. Can anybody read this and try and be doing that? Can anybody do this? Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his cost. This is the Bible. For the scripture says, cost is every man who does not observe and, and obey all the commandments that are written in the book of this law. If you don't obey all of it, cost you. Are you. And you say, yeah, that's the route I want to take. God says, okay, cost are you. You're under the cost. The next verse. But so it is clear that no man can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture itself says it. It is only through faith that a righteous person has what? Free. Spirit. Only through faith. But let me, let me deviate a little bit. Because when you teach about grace, people think, oh, you're supposed now. Are you telling them to live in hell? No, 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 no. Because you don't understand the gospel. The gospel already told us that Jesus took our sins. And then we were created new creatures. And because we are created new creatures, we are not able to live the life of uh, Christ. It is not the life you live by obeying laws. It's a life you live by faith in Christ to manifest his life through you. You know, when, when they say, they, preach, they don't preach sin, so people will change. <laughs> I don't argue too much. All I say is bring money. Until money comes, you know who has changed and who hasn't changed. We're all holy until money business comes. Right, now send money to somewhere, let them do something for you. I mean, Christians, after six months, you can't see how far we go. Everybody's holy until money shows up. The sanctification will jump through the window. Or you don't know what I'm talking about. So it's not that it makes you live a sinful life, no, but it makes you live the righteous life. Because grace makes you what you can be. Grace empowers you to do what you can do. Why? Because Christ is now your strength, and Christ is now your life, and the Holy Spirit is now your guide. And your spirit is being renewed by the, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit to know who you are, that I'm no more this kind of person. I don't, no, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not, no, this is who I am. Now. The more you know, and the way you change is not by looking at the laws. Actually, the Bible tells us that I think I will need more time. I, I really want to teach. Praise the Lord. I mean, I want to teach. When my wife was telling me, I said, oh, honey, no, no. I realized I need to teach. Look at, uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. The old way with laws, etched in stone, led to death. Did you see that? The old way with, with laws, etched in stone. I'm reading 2 Corinthians 3, 7. The old way with the law, etched in stone, led to death. When you teach laws, you lead people to death. Because it doesn't, there's no promise of life in the law. It doesn't give life. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at face, Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Verse 8. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? He said, this new way will give you greater glory. We give you greater, your life will be better because the Holy Spirit is empowering you, is guiding you. Change your inside. So grace brings you greater glory under the new way because Christ is now your life and you can't do better than what Jesus can do through you. If you understand me, say amen. Second Corinthians 3.18 is the way we live indeed under grace. It's not by focusing on the law, it's by focusing on Jesus. But we all, all of us, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the laws of Moses. What did he say? Ah, I thought, what is, did, what did he say we are beholding? The laws of Moses, what are we beholding? The glory of the Lord are now what? Changed 
into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The more you know Jesus, the more you change. The more you know Jesus, Paul said, there's nothing that compares with the knowledge of Christ. He said, I don't want any other thing. He said, all oh, this, come on. So I used to think there's something in all this law. It's concerning the law of perfect. He said, I found this all junk. He said, I want to gain Christ because this is the real deal. The more I know him, the more the wonders of his person and who he made me to be, the work he finished in my life, the more I am turning, the Holy Spirit is turning me into that image, into that kindness, into that. So somebody said to me, I think it was Hobi, he said, Pastor, before, before, hey, he said, Pastor, before was very thoughtful. He said, Pastor, I changed over years. He didn't know that it is this thing that caused it. But the more you know Jesus, the more you drop all these things, you just fall off. You find yourself being more caring, more loving, more, more patient, because the fruit of the Spirit, they start coming out. And people start observing that you are not the way you used to be. You know, I had a phone call from Nigeria. And somebody called me. He said, Pastor, just want to thank you people for what God is doing. He said, well, you, I won't call his name. He said, one of your members, he said, because he said, he said, I'm his brother. He said, Pastor, if I give out our family members food, he won't go today. He said, that's our brother in your church. He said, he has changed. He said, he's, too, he's closer to God now than before. He said, when he talks, he said, when he talks to us, we all are amazed. He said, he said, God will bless your people. He said, please, thank the whole church for us. The whole family is excited. Isn't that a good testimony? Why? Beholding the image of God. Some the school teachers are teaching. They are teaching. They are laboring. They are laboring. You think it's not working. But when you hear this kind of testimony, if you're some the school teacher, you should be energized. It's working. And they don't teach you laws and laws. They keep teaching you Christ. They keep teaching you the work of grace. They keep teaching you this glory from glory to glory. From sometimes some people stall and stall and the, the school teachers are still patient and keep praying and keep teaching. But the result is being seen by people. A family can call me to give this kind of testimony. If I call the Sunday school teacher, I said, I want to encourage you to see what happened to your class. Can I hear amen? I went by the side of several hidden to show us that when we talk of grace, that God gave us this thing free, it doesn't mean you live anyhow. It means that under grace, you live in the power you couldn't have because Christ is now the power that powers you. So you cannot do all things you couldn't do before. Praise the Lord. Now, Isaiah 64.6 tells us that we can't bring our righteousness to be healed. We can't bring our righteousness for prayer to be answered. We can't bring all those things. God doesn't, it's filthy rag. Isaiah 64 verse 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but fitting rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. And our sins sweep us away like the wind. He said all the things we are displaying, that anything man does is not acceptable. Paul says my arm does everything. Paul said you don't serve God with the arms of men. It's called the arm of the flesh. Only the arm of God does things for him. So even in my life, even in my life, it's only what God does that God reckons with can't bring to God and say, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. That is pride. And God says, all that filthy right, all this, your good deeds you did, is filthy right before me. I don't want to see that. So you can't, God can't accept me based on all my goodness because there is nothing I do that's pure. You can even look at it, hey, pastor, it's so kind. You may not know my motive. So only the righteousness of Christ is what God accepts. And you have it. So the devil can't tell you you are not qualified because you are not going there in your own righteousness. You are going there because God gave you his own righteousness. Romans 4.1. He said, let's use Abraham as an example. I'm reading New Living Translation. 
it is clear that humanly, humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God? Verse 2. Was he not by his good, was it by his good works of keeping the laws? No. For it was by the things, for it, if it was by the things he did, he would have, he would have, he would have something to boast about. But no one boasts before God. No one what? You can't come before God and say, see what I've done. See, Lord, I've been good here. I've been good. You can't boast before God. No one boasts before God. Am I communicating to you? No one boasts before God. Verse 3. Listen to what the scripture says. Brethren, let's listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's word, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. Say you can't come before God and be boasting. God says, I have not told a lie one way. That's, he said, you can't do that. So when you come and believe God, trust the arm of the Lord. Trust the arm, Christ, the arm of the Lord. When you trust in the arm of the Lord, God transfers the righteousness of Christ to your own account. Somebody shout hallelujah. So how can the devil tell you you are not qualified? When people walk, when people walk, they earn wages. They earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift. If you come and say, I've walked this, I've done this. You say, it cannot be considered anymore a free gift because you earned it now. Because you earned it now. Verse 5. But no one earns God's righteousness. No one. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous. In his eyes, it is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. So how many of you have God's righteousness? So how can the devil say you are not qualified? Just like saying Jesus is not qualified. Because what you have is his righteousness. Isaiah 45, 22. The prophets wrote this thing. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. 23. I have sworn by myself. The word is gone. Listen to God. This is what the prophets wrote. I've sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my righteous out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall what? Bow. Every tongue shall what? Swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I what? Righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. He says, God swore, surely. Your only, the only righteousness you can talk about is the one you have in the Lord. One you have in the Lord. You can't talk of your own. And all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. 25. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. So we make our boast in the Lord. In Jeremiah 33, 16, you see what this thing does for us. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherein wherewith she shall be called the Lord our what? He said, the day of that my righteousness that they will have, they will dwell safely. They will dwell safely. They will dwell safely. Because now I can accept them and I work for them. In Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt what? Why? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Why? Come on, why now? Their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. Say, because I've given them my righteousness. They are now mine. They can come to me, and no weapon can touch them. Say, you shall dwell in safety. 
because of the righteousness of Christ. How can somebody tell you? How can any devil tell you? You are not qualified to be healed. You are already healed. Romans 4, 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is every, it's very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins, 17. For the sin of this one, one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. His gift of what? Righteousness. His gift of what? All, for all who receive it, we live in triumph over, number one, what? Sin. Number two, what? Death, which means sickness, through one man. Why? Because the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Your righteousness is of me now. You have become mine. I've transferred my righteousness to you, so the Lord is on my side. No weapon will touch you. He said, death won't touch you. Because your mind belongs to me now. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The, the first thing the gospel reveals is this gift of righteousness I'm talking about. And if it's not being preached, that's wrong. The gospel, the first thing therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The first thing the gospel reveals is the righteousness of God that God transfers to you the day you believe in Jesus Christ. Because when you know that, you live in victory over sin, over death, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Your faith will be strong. But if you don't know that, the devil can deceive you and say you're not qualified. And you say, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. Luke 15. Luke chapter 15, 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. You know who this is? Prodigal son came back. We all came back like him. And the father said, I have a robe for you. And when you wear it, you become royalty. Better than we are royalty. And we are in the robe of God's righteousness. No weapon formed against you, you are prosper. You will no more kneel down and pray and doubt whether God had you. Never again. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because you are his. his you, you are his. You are, he dressed you up and said, come and eat. That's what the father says. They change this thing, dress him up, let him go for the party. Can I hear amen? Isaiah 61 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he had clothed me with the garments of what? Salvation. He had covered, so he's talking about salvation now. He had covered me with the robe of what? Righteousness. As a bridegroom decades himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorned herself with her jewels. That's your jewelry. Child of God, you are in God's jewelry. The robe of righteousness. You are royalty. When sickness sees you, he knows who you are. You are more than qualified. You go in. Because when the father said, dress my son up, let him go for the party. God said, dress my son up. Healing is the children's bread. Let him go and eat. So you can eat. Then <laughs> we can eat. I'm telling you we can eat. Can I hear amen? We need down and talk to God. Don't go by feelings or whatever. No. You are his own. You are wearing his robe of righteousness. That sets you apart. He says, no weapon formed against him shall what? 
Why? I have given him my righteousness. And he says, in that day, Judah will dwell in safety because they shall be be called a God, my what? Righteousness. That is the day. So when the devil says you are not qualified, no, no, no. This is why many people are not healed because they're not convinced that it is their own. It's your own. Praise the Lord. Am I communicating anything? It's not only healing. Don't deny yourself what Jesus died for you to have. Don't ever do that. You know, the Lord has been teaching me a lot of stuff about Christ. He said, when you use my name, you know what you're talking about. You're saying I'm the one. Say, how can you say in Jesus' name, and then you're talking to my father, his will, and you say in Jesus' name. What they're saying, Christ is talking. How can God deny it? Say, how can? Say, you people have no faith in me. You don't trust me. You don't know who I am. Say, you say in Jesus' name, you are talking. My name is my personality. I'm the one now asking. Why? You're wearing my robe of righteousness. You have my life. You have my nature. I'm living in you. I'm one with you. He said to me, when you use my name, we speak my word. Is I'm the one. How <laughs> can I be? The, I'm the one. You can have such confidence in me. That's why you are joint heirs with me. We are one. In Jesus' name. God sees the son talking. And you go rejoicing. Because he's getting us for us. <laughs> we are joint, I'm joint here with him. That thing is coming for us. Yeah. yeah. Does it make sense? John here, you say in Jesus, Father in Jesus' name, Jesus is there. The daddy, this is what your word says. Do you know who is now talking? Who is now talking? Why? His name presents his person. And God says, I've honored him, I honor him again. Jesus said, Jesus said, he said, you hear it me always. I don't have a doubt whether he will hear. But that the Lord. That's what they taught me. Whenever you use my name, understand I'm the one. Don't take my name in vain. Don't insult my name. Make sure you have it. You are joined here. I bring it for us. You can enjoy it. When I hear amen. Whenever you speak the word of God to something, guess who is speaking? You know, I had this story. This story. One stingy Christian, won't give it, always grumbling. So the, the ushers were collecting money. One day, the usher stood and he looked up. It was Jesus carrying the plate. Why? The usher is serving him. The brother said, it has always been Jesus now. He has always been him. Because he's doing it in his name. What you are doing in his name, what you are doing in his authority is him. It's not different. He said, when you do it to one of these little ones that believe in me, you're also doing it what? To identify with them. Hey, God is not going to heal you. I'm sorry. Because he has already, and it's all yours. Free. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, tells us something very interesting. That Jesus guarantees us this thing. Even now. In spite of all of this, there's another guarantee, another level of guarantee that Jesus guarantees all that the mercy of God will never stop. We never stop. We never stop. We never stop flowing to you. And that thing gives you boldness to come to God. Jesus guarantees it. As I'm talking to you, Hebrew 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. What am I to hold fast? I've received it. So don't change it. I have a high priest. Don't, don't change it to hold it fast. I got it. I got it. I'm got it. Hold it fast. 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities. Not as if to say he doesn't know what happened. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. <laughs> Let us therefore come huh? boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of a need. Why? Why throne of grace? Why this assurance? Because there's a high priest 
ministering before God with his blood on your behalf and assuring that mercy and grace will never cease to flow to you. We never, it is, God says, I can't even, God himself said, I can't alter this covenant of blood. God said, I can't. Because it's already done and finished. Jesus already paid for it. He entered heaven with his blood. God says, my covenant will I not what? It's not, it's unbreakable. It's sealed with the blood. It's total. Brethren, this is an unbreakable covenant. Man, you, if it's not working, you rejected it. It's an unbreakable covenant. God said, this covenant, I, God, will never, I'll alter it. It's not going to happen. Because the blood of my son sealed it. It cost me my son. I can't, it's impossible to change. It's an unchanging provision of healing. Unchanging provision of forgiveness. Unchanging provision of mercy. Unchanging provision of all the blessings of heaven. Unchanging, 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 unchanging cannot be broken. God said that we not. The promises of God are yea and amen. Not yea and no. For eternity. Why? Jesus came with his blood. The great high priest ministering at the altar, not made with hands, with his blood for me and you. And because of that ministry, he said, that throne is permanently a throne where grace flows. Grace flows. He said, you find mercy to help you. You will never fail to find mercy. We never, never impossible. Unless you reject it. Unless the devil talks you out of it. Is it not because of his mercy we are not consumed? Right? Don't watch your sickness consume me. When message flowing, why? Only believe it. Am I communicating? Hebrew 4, 14, did we read that? Okay, Hebrew 9, 13 to 15. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer would cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think, brethren. Hey, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Think of what the blood of Jesus has achieved for you so you can come and worship God with full assurance of faith. He said, they, they use blood of animals to come and worship God. Say, so think of the blood of the Son of God. How he has purified you. How he has given you everything. Paid for it. Paid in full. You don't owe sin nothing. You don't owe the devil nothing. The devil can't find anything in you to hold because the blood is there. Christ is ministering right now and the devil has no answer to it. He has no, what is his answer? His answer is to come and tell you it's not true. And once you agree with him, you, you open the door for him to walk in your life. Once you agree with him, you walked out of the thing. You know the prodigal son, the senior brother walked out of it. He did worse things than his brother. Because we didn't hear that he came back. Because he wanted it based on works. He walked away. He said, I've served you. I deserve this. He walked away. never came back. Don't walk away from your blessings. Thou your spreading. You've been healed. Kabakusha. So it says, in that Hebrew chapter 9, it says, uh, what verse did I read? Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died 
to set them free from the penalty of sins, including sickness, penalty of sins, all of it. That to set us free from all of it is an, it's a covenant that is impossible to, to alter. It's called an, an everlasting covenant. Penalty. Sin came, sickness came because of the sin of Adam. Jesus came and wiped it away and said, all that penalty set you free from it. And if the son shall set you free, but the devil throws these roadblocks. Sometimes we don't, we don't think it's happening to us, but it is. What are you going to do now? What will you do with the Son of God? What are you going to do now that you had this? Are you not qualified? Has he not already set you free from the penalty of distance? Are you paying price for what Jesus paid for? you? The devil has no, no grounds to give you another punishment for sin. Because Jesus took all of that. The Bible says death came because of the sin of woman. The righteousness came. Because of the obedience of one man. And we're wearing that robe of uh, righteousness. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our iniquities. So I'm not going to be bruised no more. The Bible said, the Bible said look, that this thing can happen twice. It said affliction can arise twice. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Peter said he carried it on his own body. The Bible said God laid on him our, all, all our iniquities. A covenant that cannot change. Let me read it. I read it yesterday. Young literal translation, Isaiah 53, 3. He's, he's despised, left of men, a man of pains, acquainted with sickness, and as one hiding the face from us, he is despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely our sicknesses he had borne. Did he say surely? Did you hear surely? What, is, what did he surely say? Our sicknesses he was born. Is either God is lying or the devil is lying? But I believe God is saying the truth. And all we need to do is believe this. And our pains, He had carried them. And we, we have esteemed Him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. And He's pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on Him. And by His bruise, there is healing to us. This is one more translation I read yesterday because this is the key to our healing. That's why the prophet said what Peter was quoting. Isaiah 54, 53, 4. I'm reading Dr. Lesser's translation. He was despised and shunned by men, a man pained and acquainted with disease, but only our disease did he bear them. He bear them. And our pains. He carried, our pains he carried, and through his bruises was healing granted us. Healing has been granted to 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 us. Healing has been what? This is what the lame man had. Healing has been granted to you. And his face lit up. And Paul said, you don't have to be lame. Get up. And if you read that, and the man jumped. He didn't even try to see whether my leg. No, no, no. Somebody hasn't walked before his life. Jumped up. But he believed it with all his heart. Believed it with all his heart. I was listening to one preacher. He was talking about how a young, say, he said, I went to Bible college and I had all this 
high grade and everything, but nobody taught me that Jesus took away healing from us. Nobody even taught me anything Jesus did for us. He said I was leading uh, all these preaching teams with the president of the college. Until one, he had some other experiences, but one day a woman came into his came to his office and, and took took up Isaiah 53. This woman was in a wheelchair and said, Pastor, Jesus healed me. You never told me. He didn't tell me he healed me. And I've been in this wheelchair. Before his eyes, the woman got up and walked away. He said, he healed me. He never, nobody told me this. And the man said, and we come to church and we don't tell people what Jesus did. See, he never told me he healed me. He got up from wheelchair, left the wheelchair there and walked away. Matthew 8, 14. Then Jesus entered Peter's home and found Peter's mother-in-law bedridden. Several severely ill with a fever. The moment Jesus touched her hand, she was healed. Immediately she got up, began to make dinner for them. That evening the people brought to him many who were demonized and by Jesus only speaking a word of healing over them. They were totally set free from their torment and everyone was, who was sick received their healing. Can we read 17 together? Can you see 17? Let's go. One to go. Can we read it again? Can we read it again? No, no, no. Now you say, mine, mine, remove our. Make it personal. One, two, let's go. He put upon himself my, and he carried, and now let's read it again. One, two, go. He put upon himself my, and carried what? My diseases, and did what? Now let's read it one more time. He put upon himself our weaknesses, and he carried away our diseases. The Holy Spirit said, who believes this? If a woman can say to the pastor, nobody ever told me Jesus healed me, and got up from a wheelchair. If a man who never walked all his life can get up, because Paul told him this. Is that what he had? Something he had that made him say, I'm well now, walk, got up. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. And it's time to do that. Praise the Lord.